Throughout this sermon series, This Is My Story, we have talked about how the Bible reveals God's love for us and unveils God's plan to save the world. God has chosen to save the world by working through people, ordinary human beings like you and me. First, God called a man Abraham. He said that he would bless Abraham with a family. Abraham's family would go on to be a blessing for the world. God worked through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph to pass God's blessing down through multiple generations of a family. But what happens when that family gets so large and extended that they become their own nation and people group? Who leads the people when there is no longer one living patriarch? Who holds the people together? Who ensures that the blessing continues? Who keeps the people from descending into chaos? God calls and raises up new leaders to lead the Israelite people. God calls Moses. Moses is a descendant of Abraham. He is a member of the family. Moses leads the people out of slavery in Egypt. He leads the people for the 40 years that they live in the wilderness. God works with Moses to establish the covenant way of life for the Israelite people. God calls Aaron and the Levite men to serve as priests for the Israelites. The Levites organize the practices and rituals of the Israelite religion. God works through Moses and other elders to provide order and stability for the Israelites. Prior to Moses' death, God calls Joshua to be the next leader of the Israelite people. Moses passes the baton of leadership down to Joshua. It is Joshua who leads the Israelites into the promised land. It is Joshua who serves as military, political, and social leader for the Israelites. Joshua works with elders of the 12 tribes to settle in the promised land, the land of Canaan. Joshua reminds the Israelite people of all that God has done for them and instructs the people to continue living by the covenant. Then Joshua dies. The Israelite people served God and continued to live by the covenant while the elders who served with Joshua were still alive. These elders, they had seen all that God had done for them and they were able to tell the stories and to remind the people. But over time, these elders also died. The generations that came after did not know God and did not know of the things that God had done for Israel. There is a vacuum of leadership and collective memory among the Israelites. The book of, Josh, the book of Judges records this chaotic period for the Israelites. In the book of Judges, like the book of Joshua, we read about battles between the Israelites and other people groups living in the land. The accounts of these battles are quite violent, and it is particularly disturbing to read accounts of violence against women. It is helpful to remember that like what Pastor Vance said last week about the book of Joshua also applies to the book of Judges. The book of Judges was written down during the time of the Babylonian exile. Stories of the Israelites settling in the promised land were passed down orally across generations. 
we can imagine that with each retelling, the Israelites increase the number of soldiers participating in the battles. The Israelite victories became greater and greater. The battles more gruesome. The oral and written stories of the judges tried to make sense of the chaos of the Babylonian exile by reminding Israel how God had brought order out of chaos in the past. This gave them hope that God could bring order out of their chaos in the Babylonian exile. As we read through the book of Judges, we begin to pick up on a recurring behavioral cycle. The Israelite people, they have a central leader, and all seems to go well with that leader. The leader dies, and no new leader rises up to lead the people. Without leadership to provide the structure and guidance for the people, the Israelites, they do evil in God's eyes. They reject God's covenant way of life for them. They turn away from God, and they begin to worship idols. Israelites descend into chaos, and then they are overtaken by an enemy. Israelites, they experience difficulty and oppression as consequences of their evil actions. The Israelites, they cry out to God to save them. God hears their cries and raises up a new leader, a judge in this case, to deliver the people from their oppressors. The Israelites obey God and God's appointed judge. The judge offers wisdom, counsel, and leadership to the people. The judge is also a warrior who leads Israel into battle against their oppressors. The judge and Israel defeat the oppressors and again experience freedom in the land. The Israelites live in peace until that judge dies. After the judge dies, the cycle repeats itself all over again. The Israelites turn away from God. They're overtaken by an enemy. They experience a difficulty and oppression. They cry out to God. God reaches out to save them by working through a person, a judge. There are 13 judges named in the book of Judges. Today we're going to look at one particular judge, the only female judge by the name of Deborah. What do we know about Deborah? God raises Deborah up as a judge after Judge Ehud died and the Israelite people were overtaken by the Canaanite king Jabin. King Jabin and his military commander Sisera oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. We're told that Deborah is a prophet and a leader in Israel as well as a wife. She sits in the shade under a palm tree and judges disputes among the Israelite people. She offers wise counsel, direction, and leadership to the Israelites. She issues a command to a military leader by the name of Barak, instructing Barak to assemble 10,000 Israelite men at Mount Tabor. Barak and the Israelites will battle against the Canaanite commander Sisera and his soldiers. Deborah promises that the Israelites will overpower Sisera. But Barak seems to balk at Deborah's instruction. He indicates that he will only go and do as Deborah commands if she goes with him. If she assembles with the Israelites at Mount Tabor, 
and if she marches with them in battle against Sisera. We do not know why Barak bargains with Deborah. Does he fear Sisera and the Canaanite soldiers? Does he question the soundness of Deborah's military plan? Does he doubt Deborah because she is a woman? Deborah replies to Barak, I'll definitely go with you. However, the path you're taking won't bring honor to you because the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. So sure enough, Deborah, Barak, and the Israelites, they assemble at Mount Tabor. Sisera and his army arise. The Israelites attack the Canaanites. Sisera and his army are in panic. Sisera abandons his army and runs away. The Israelites defeat the Canaanites that day. Sisera escapes, and and he finds refuge among the descendants of Moses' father-in-law. A woman by the name of Jael allows Sisera to hide under a blanket in her tent. Now, can you imagine the Israelites telling this story? At this point, they're probably kind of laughing at Sisera. Oh, he's hiding in a woman's tent. He's hiding under a blanket. Sisera falls asleep, and Jael slips back into the tent, and she kills Sisera. Barak chases after Sisera, and he eventually finds his way to Jael's tent. Jael shows Barak the body of Sisera, confirming the words of Deborah that Sisera would be defeated, not by Barak or another Israelite man or soldier, but by a woman, Jael. The Israelites first defeat Sisera and then King Jabin. The Israelites are freed from their oppressors and they experience peace in the land for another 40 years. Personally, I love the story of Deborah. I love that a story of a woman warrior leading the people of Israel with wisdom, justice, and strength is included in the Bible. We often read and hear stories of male biblical leaders and heroes. And often we hear these stories more often than we do the stories of female leaders and biblical heroes. While there are more stories of male leaders in the Bible, the stories of female leaders tell us that indeed God can and does work through women. God calls women to places of leadership within all sorts of communities, faith communities, governments, military, society, and families, to name a few. The God who creates all people in the image of God also invites all people into a covenant way of life. God calls all people, people of all genders, races, abilities, ages, nationalities, orientations, etc., to participate with God in God's covenant way of life. Again and again, God invites the Israelites to live God's covenant way of life. Even with a central leader, the Israelites are prone to wander and to leave the God they love. God raises up judges to be the central leaders for the people of Israel. Now let's be honest, some judges were better than others. Some were better leaders than others. The story of Deborah highlights the Israelites' need for good leadership. Leadership that will restore the people to a covenant way of life. 
Good leaders like Deborah listen for God and speak God's message to the people. Good leaders listen to the people. They mediate conflicts among the people and settle disputes. They offer wise counsel. They offer correction when needed. These leaders help restore relationships among people. Good leaders like Deborah serve alongside and with the people they are leading. When Barak does not want to fight unless Deborah is there, Deborah agrees to go with Barak and the Israelites. She does not send Barak to do something that she herself will not do. Good leaders remember the people they are serving. They empathize. They are people of integrity whose actions match their words. Good judges like Deborah identify oppression both within the community and outside the community. Good leaders like Deborah do not ignore oppression. They work to end oppression. These leaders do what is right even when it is hard. Good leaders stand up to oppressors and fight against injustice. Good leaders work for shalom, holistic, healthy, abundant life for all people and all creation. And good leaders do not stop until there is peace in the land. We see evidence of good Deborah-like leadership within leaders throughout history. Deborah-like leaders are found in people among us today. People like Rachel Den Hollander, Prosecutor Angela Povolitis, and Judge Rosemarie Aquilina. Rachel Den Hollander is a former gymnast who was sexually abused as a teenager by Dr. Larry Nasser while under his medical care. She knew that what had been done to her was wrong and that it was not of God. At age 32, she came forward to tell her story of the evil that she had experienced at the hands of Nasser. Her public testimony started the movement for justice for all of the survivors who had experienced sexual abuse and oppression at the hands of Nasser. Because of Rachel's courage, other survivors found the courage to come forward and to tell their stories too. Prosecutor Angela Povolitis, she listened to the stories of these survivors and she believed the women. She pursued justice. She advocated for the survivors. When Nasser pled guilty, Prosecutor Povolitis did not accept the guilty plea unless every survivor who wanted to come forward had the chance to tell their story, to confront their oppressor, and to share their impact statement. The judge in the case, Judge Rosemarie Aquilina, agreed. In the end, 156 survivors came forward to go on record and to tell their stories of abuse. Judge Aquilina held Nasser accountable to the crimes he had committed and ensured that he was in the room to hear the stories of the pain that he had caused. Prosecutor Povolitis and Judge Aquilina worked for the recovery and healing of the survivors by allowing them the opportunity to speak their truth. People like Representative John Lewis are Deborah-like leaders. John Lewis became a leader in the civil rights movement because segregation and racial discrimination are not compatible with the Christian faith. 
He fought against oppression by participating in sit-ins at segregated Nashville lunch counters and by being one of the original 13 Freedom Riders. He and Hosea Williams fought for justice when they led 600 people across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama on what is now known as Bloody Sunday. When the marchers stopped to pray, Alabama state troopers attacked with tear gas and nightsticks. Lewis was beaten and suffered from a skull fracture. Yet he lived his life with the prophetic conviction that when you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have to speak up. You have to say something. You have to do something. God invites us today to live God's covenant way of life. God calls and raises up leaders among us to be prophets, wise counselors, good leaders, unifiers, relationship restorers, justice warriors, oppression enders, and peacemakers. God calls these leaders to bring order out of chaos and to right all wrongs. The question for us today, the question for you and for me, will we, will you, will I be one of these Deborah-like leaders? Will we work with God to bring God's peace to the land? Amen.